really just digging in. Most people uh, step away from the book of Revelation, which it's not Revelations, it's just one revelation. And, uh, but we tend to call it Revelations, but it's actually just one. Uh, and so, um, but people shy away from it because of uh, the misinterpretations, because of superstition, because of old wives' tales, because of what we've been taught. Um, and, and some of the things we've been taught actually aren't accurate. And so we're going to dig into a series called The Dragon and the Sea, and we're going to look at John's apocalyptic revelation. Did you know that that's actually what revelation means? Apocalypse. Uh, and so, uh, and so, so John, he opens this letter, and he wants us to view revelation in light of history. So whenever you're doing a Bible study of any kind, I encourage you, the first thing you have to do is good hermeneutics, is you must know who the book was written to, you must know why it was written, who it was written to, and how they would understand it. In order for you and I to even understand the book, you have to understand who it was written to, why it was written, when it was written, and what are the time-bound truths and what are the time-less truths that God wants to pull out of this story. And so understand, the first thing you have to understand about the book of Revelation is it was written to seven churches. It was written as a circular letter to seven churches in the province of Asia. So these are the seven churches that had a revelation. So when they read this letter, they were going to see it through their eyes and understand it through their eyes. So in order for you and I to understand what it means to us now, we have to understand what it meant to them then. And so, so when you and I start to understand that, we, we recognize this. But before we do that, we have to recognize that the seven churches or the seven lampstands are actually a prophecy that's being fulfilled from the book of Zechariah chapter 4. So when you start to look at Revelation and realize that they are calling, all John is doing is he is realizing he's writing this Jewish revelation. He's writing this revelation and he's using imagery and and symbols to help the churches understand and for you and I to understand. The wrong way to read the book of Revelation is to think it's a secret code to the timing of the end of the world but most people that's how we read the book of revelation we read the book of revelation oh i want to know when it's going to end well jesus already answered that question no man knows the time or the date that the son of man will return and anybody who tells you they did they're lying so so when you and i understand that there's no secret code when you when we let that go and we stop looking for the secret code to when it's going to end and start focusing on not what it's going to end but Jesus' return, then we can start to understand Revelation better. You see, these symbolic visions that, 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 that John is revealing to the church is not just for those seven churches, but it's for the church of every generation. And you know what the book of Revelation actually does? It reveals a pattern throughout human history. And so we see a pattern. So John does callbacks all the way from Genesis 
all the way to present day, his present day time, and we can call to this present day time because of what John is revealing about the pattern of human history. And then when you watch as he unfolds it from Daniel's visions in Babylon, Babylon fell and then Persia. Then Persia fell and then Greece. And then Greece fell and then Rome. And so he's revealing a pattern throughout human history of our failings and our pursuit of false gods. So when you and I start to understand that, we start to see something that John wanted the churches of, of Revelation to understand, and he wants you and I to, re- to understand today. This book reveals a cosmic spiritual battle that is taking place right now. He wants us to understand that there's a cosmic spiritual battle taking place behind all of the suffering that is happening in this world. He wants you and I to understand that governments are not the real enemy. He was trying to help his readers understand that Rome was not the real enemy. Understand now, at John's time, Nero has completed his, his total decimation of Christianity, and they thought that was bad. Well, then Domitian comes along, Emperor Domitian, and he does far worse than Nero. So when John is writing this letter, he's writing this letter and Christians are being fed to lions. They are being destroyed. They are being cast down. And so John says, listen, it's not the the weapon. it's It's the person wielding the weapon and the dark spiritual forces that are behind the government. But it wasn't just that government. He said, look at Babylon. The dragon was behind Babylon. Look at Persia. The dragon was behind Persia. Look at Greece. The dragon was behind. And every one of those, and the reason being is that every single one of them did two things that become beasts. Two things. The two things that happen is that they promise military power and protection. And people will pay for protection. The next thing that they offer is economic security. And so what happens, you, they demand allegiance so that we will protect you and prosper you. And we will worship the false gods of protection and prosperity. And we have done it from the beginning and we will do it until we see Jesus unless we recognize the spiritual forces in high places that are causing the issues and stop fighting amongst ourselves. You can understand that nations become beasts when they exalt their own military power, when they exalt their economic security and their false gods, and then they demand complete allegiance. Sound familiar? And so, so, so the mark of the beast, are you all ready for this? I got a secret. This is just in. Y'all better be ready. Because, you know, we're going to a cashless society. They're going to put chips in all of us. Come on, man. Come on, man. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me lay something to you. And I'm not, I don't, I, I, I'm not really sorry. But I am kind of, but not. But, well, really not sorry. But just come on, man. I don't see no chips in the Bible. I don't see Lay's, I don't see Ruffles, I don't see any of that. 
Are y'all ready for something? I'm going to lay something on you that's so scriptural and so powerful, it's going to change your world. Stop looking for the mark of the beast. And here's why. The mark of the beast is the anti-Shema. Does anybody know Deuteronomy chapter 6? Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 15. God calls for total allegiance of anyone who believes in him. And I want to read this to you, and then I want to, I want to help you see something. Watch this. Revelation, uh, I mean, uh, Je- Deuteronomy chapter 4, uh, chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words I command you shall, uh, today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and you shall, uh, and they shall be frontlets before your eyes, meaning they should be bound to your forehead. You shall write them on your doorposts and on your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to give to you with great and good cities that you did not build and house full of goods that you did not fill, Y'all here in the prosperity and the protection and the cisterns that you did not dig and the vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take, take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve and by his name you shall swear. Now... When you read the book of Revelation, they say that the mark of the beast is going to be on your hand and your forehead. You see, the mark of the beast is actually the anti-Shema. What it actually is, is God called his people in Deuteronomy 6. He didn't expect you to tie that around and we're all going to walk around with these things tied on our head. It's a condition of our heart. It's a complete pledge of allegiance to God and God alone. That is the Shema. And it's done in the heart. Now, the mark of the beast is the exact same thing. It's when you take that mark on your hand and on your head, meaning that you pledge your total allegiance to the beast who will promise you prosperity and protection. So you don't have to worry about tattoos, the 666 tattoo. You don't have to worry about chips or any of those things. As a matter of fact, you can, mark, you, you can experience the mark of the beast in your heart before it ever gets anywhere near your head or your forehead. Does that make sense? It's very practical. It's too practical for us, though. Because we want to be digging through people's foreheads to see if we can find the tattoo of the 666. We, we're all thinking they're going to line us up and put chips in us. And we're all going to walk around here, scan my head. Boop! Come on, man. 
it's going to happen way worse than that, and it'll happen in your head before, and in your heart before it ever gets on your hand. You are going to pledge allegiance to either God, or you're going to pledge allegiance to someone who will pro- pro- promise you protection and prosperity. And that's the struggle. So the anti-Shema calls you to allegiance. And I want you to notice that it is the dragon who controls the beast. And the dragon is the one that controls the governments, the dark spiritual forces that they wield those swords so that you and I will sacrifice our Christianity, will sacrifice our faith for protection and prosperity that only lasts for a season instead of eternity. So standing opposed to the dragon and the beast is another king, is another king. And this king is depicted as a slain lamb, the slain lamb of God. His name is Jesus. And, And see, he conquered his enemies differently. He did not conquer his enemies by carrying their heads around. He conquered his enemies by dying for them. And now he calls the church of Jesus Christ to follow in his footsteps and reveal the truth of his word by dying for them. You see, he and his army, Jesus and his army of believers stand opposed to the beast and must be willing to die for their enemies to prove their allegiance to the one true God and to prove that they believe that this world is not our home. You see, there's a clear choice presented in the book of Revelation. There's a clear choice presented in the book of Revelation. Resist Babylon and follow Jesus. Follow the beast and suffer its fate. That's what Jesus leaves us to. So what we are to see and know through the book of Revelation is we are to see, understand, and know that the forces of evil and everyone who does not want to participate in God's kingdom, they will be separated. They are going to be sent to a place where they can exist by themselves and for themselves so the dragon and the beast and all who follow them will be eternally quarantined away forever to never again be able to corrupt God's creation. That's what the promise is. And so what I want you to see today, and I want you to take away that in this broken world, we can have hope in God's final victory and the redemption of all things. Now, I printed out Revelation 21 to you so you'll see that. So you can see verse 8 because I want to start in the end and go back to the beginning because sometimes we forget to read the back of the book. So here it is. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and and the first earth had passed away. Everybody say passed away. So everything that you've accumulated, everything that you hold dear, everything that you hold precious, you can't take it with you and one day it's going to be gone. So pledge your allegiance to God and not your stuff. And then he says, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice of the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Can you say amen? 
He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. You know why? Because the king, King Jesus, has defeated death. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Can I let you know right now, we're living in the former things. Come on, church. We're living in the former things, and I'm ready for some forever things. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for some forever things. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Everybody say new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Everybody say true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The, the one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. But, everybody say but. Now, here's where the allegiance comes in. Here's where the mark of the beast comes in. Here's where the pledge of allegiance comes in. Here's where the prosperity and protection come in because there's a season. Look at what it says. For those of you people who don't believe in hell, God help you. For those of you people who are going around spewing lack the, the truth that there is no hell, that is a lie that will one day split hell wide open. Because here's what he says. But as for the cowardly... The faithless, everybody say faithless. The detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their, per, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, a minute ago, we just read, write this down, these words are trustworthy and true, and now he speaks truth, and now we decide that our sociology doesn't fit our theology, so there's no hell. I don't know, but that ain't, that ain't working for me. If that's, if that's what you're betting on, God help us all. Well, God help you. Because I ain't betting on that. That's a bad bet. I ain't taking that bet. So what I want us to see, do you understand why I'm passionate about what we're communicating? And I want you guys to see this differently because I don't want you to run away from Revelation anymore. I want you to read the book of Revelation with so much hope and so much excitement and so much joy that as you read this, that, that the revelation of suffering that's there is only for a short season. I want you to read it with hope saying Jesus is coming. Let's get to the part where Jesus comes. But instead we read it and we get all caught up in uh, the chip and this and that and all this other silliness that we forget that Jesus is coming. We forget to look at the seven trumpets and the seven bowls and we forget to look at what, the com what is actually being communicated through the process. And until we understand that, we'll never be able to dig our hearts and minds into this and we'll always be wishy-washy and our faith will not work. Because listen, when you know Jesus, you know peace. But when you, don't, when you have no Jesus, you have no peace. And that's the problem with our world. The problem is some people say they know Jesus, but you just, he's just an acquaintance. You know what I'm saying? He's just somebody that you 
know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I kind of know him. Oh, do you remember that? Yeah, he kind of looks like this, and he kind of, you know, he's got the, 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 the white beard, and he's got the, you know, the, 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 the blazing eyes, and, you know, you know that guy. You saw him down at the mall. No, you need to know who he is. Oh, I believe in a God or God. If you did, then you would shudder. Because the demons believe in God and they're afraid. So when you're looking at this, I want you to see that Revelation's message, and I said Revelation's message because it's, it is a, a possessive, its message is one of hope and faithfulness during persecution as is as timely now as it was then. This message is as timely now as it was then. As we see human history unfold and the accounts written by the prophets, you're going to see Isaiah, you're going to see Zechariah, you're going to see Ezekiel, you're going to see Judges, you're going to see all of these different revelations coming to pass. And as you see these uh, revelations come to pass, you're going to understand that it's just as prevalent now as it was then. John wrote about from, from Daniel, when in Daniel's day it was Babylon and then Persia took Babylon down and now John is talking about Rome and what's happening in Rome and you and I are going to be talking about governments from that point all the way to now and into the future so we start to understand we see Daniel's time was 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 that time and, and what we see is that we see Greece came along and Rome came along. And we see that dra the dragon Satan has always been using dark spiritual forces to influence nations and governments. And do you know what he uses to pull those kings toward him? Military power and prosperity. The very thing that they offer you, they're offered first. If you worship me, I'll make you the most powerful king in all the world and I will prosper you and so what do they do they then take them up and then what do they do they persecute and then they exploit that power and that prosperity and they find someone to push down and so if we're not careful you and I are going to try and fight a spiritual battle listen to me because this is what I'm talking about. We're looking for chips in foreheads and we're looking for chips in hands and we're not understanding that it's a heart condition. It's a spiritual heart condition. Long before you would ever take a chip in the head or the hand, you would already have made that choice in your heart. You would have never got in the line if, it, if your heart wasn't already changed. So you and I are trying to fight a spiritual battle with earthly weapons. We have to fight a spiritual battle with spiritual weapons, the weapons of prayer, the weapon of the word of God. But if you don't have a proper interpretation of the word of God, you are never going to be able to understand the word of God and fight the word. So the devil doesn't want you to know about revelation because then you find out he loses. And so he keeps you away with fear. Keeps you away with superstition and old wives' tales. It keeps you away with false prophecies that you're looking for. And the whole time you're looking for, he's doing the okey-doke. You know what I'm saying? He's doing the okey-doke. You're a mark. 
That's what they used to do to people in the circus. When the people would come to town, the, the circus would come to town and the carnival would come to town and they would mark chalk on their hands and they'd see the person who was paying and had the most money. Then they'd come up behind them and pat them on the back and there'd be a mark on their back. And so you would know that's the person to take advantage of. So then they do the no look. They get some attention over here. And while you're paying attention, somebody bumps into you and pops your wallet. And that's what the devil's been doing to us with all this silliness. We're over here worried about, oh, the market of beast. And it's an inside job. He's already been pickpocketing your heart. So we must armor up. Ephesians chapter 6, we got to armor up, put on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. And the Bible says, and when you have done everything that you know to stand, stand firm then. So you and I have got to be ready for that. The next thing I want you to see this morning is Revelation's uh, vision of a world without evil is defined by Jesus as he shares who will not be present in heaven. He shares who's not going to be there. Now that's something when, when you, look at what, you look at what Jesus lays out for us, when you start to understand what Jesus lays out for us, and then he lays out this, this, this perfect truth, and as he lays this perfect truth out, what he does is he lets you and I see that as you and I are digging around, we're trying, to get, we're trying not to get okey-doked over here. When he, see, he tells us, hey, you got to watch your eyes because I want to let you know of the vision and I want to let you know that it was Jesus who said this not Mike Conaway so it's not my opinion it's the word of God and he says he tells us what the world without evil is going to look like and who's not going to be there and the reason being is in Revelation uh, 21 8 it already told us that 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 the people who don't want to participate in God's kingdom are going to get exactly what they want not to participate in God's kingdom are going to be eternally quarantined so, so that they can never corrupt. So, so here's the question. If you're worried, take a look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 23, which I'm going to read to you so you can measure and weigh for yourself. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Everybody say evident. Sexual immorality. What is the God of this age right now? Sex, it defines everything that we do, every issue, especially the issues that we're divided on. Abortion, sex, right? All of the other sexual sins, line them all up. Line all the sexual sins up. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries. And here's what I love about fits of anger. People are screaming angrily at the person saying they're angry. I've seen that throughout this whole, our country is in such a mess right now with all this silliness. And the other people are like, he's so angry, I hate angry people. He's so angry, I hate angry people. And everybody's angry, but nobody is righteously angry, but they're all righteously angry. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, 
You don't think the devil's having fun right now? The church is divided like it's never been divided before. And we're over here okey-doke. We're all marks. We're all over here worried about if you're a Democrat or a Republican over Christianity. We're all over here, you know, we got marks and he's pickpocketing our hearts left and right. And we're, 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 we're putting one another out and we are dividing. The Bible says that one can put a thousand to flight and two can put ten thousand to flight. So what's the devil do? He separates us and then he gets a net gain of eighteen thousand. Because now we're just each doing two thousand instead of each doing ten thousand. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, uh, and, and, and things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now what I need you to do is to do a spiritual inventory, an honest spiritual inventory of your life and say am i do does galatians 5 19 through 21 define the way i've been behaving or does galatians 5 22 and 23 define how i've been behaving and then you'll know where you fall it's not my job to judge you but god help me if i had to judge your social media Now I want you to go, and everybody who does this whole social media thing, now I want you to go, and I want you to compare, and I want you to use Galatians 5, 19 through 21, and Galatians 5, 22 through 23, and I want you to compare that to what you've been spewing. Pastor better get up out of my face. I knew I didn't like him. Now I know I really don't like him. It's all right, Jesus loves you. And I have to, so I'm all right. But listen to me, just because it's legal doesn't make it moral. And just be be careful not to let your sociology, your sociology, the way you view the world, don't let it inform your theology. It is your theology that must inform your sociology. Because when your sociology informs your theology, you fall into Galatians 5, 19 and 21. It comes back to the shamer versus the anti-shamer. Who have you pledged your allegiance to? There are people who have pledged their allegiance to their sexual identity above God. There are people who have pledged their allegiance to their affairs above God. There are people who have pledged their allegiance to their prosperity above God. Please realize that you may already bear the mark of the beast before they ever get a chance to put a chip in you. Jesus lists... It reveals God's righteous standard and no one could get in without him. Can you say amen? Amen. 
You see Jesus' list. You can look at that at number three. His list reveals God's righteous standard and no one could get in without him. That is why the cross of Jesus Christ is where the justice of God met the grace of God and the rightful wrath of God was satisfied and objects of wrath became objects of affection. If it wasn't for Jesus, we all fall into Galatians 5, 19 through 21. But thanks be to Jesus that we no longer fall into Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Instead, because we have received Jesus, we have received the precious Holy Spirit, and now we fall into Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Can you say amen? You see, this is where you and I start to understand that no one can get in without Jesus. It was only the Lamb that could open the scroll. You need to go and read Revelation chapter 5. There was a, a, a worry in heaven. There was a rumble in heaven because there was a struggle. And they looked at the scroll and no one was worthy. No one was worthy to open the scroll to, to usher in the new, the beginning. To usher in the end and the beginning. Nobody was ready for it and so what happens in walks a lamb in walks a blood-stained lamb in walks a blood-stained lamb looking as if he was slain but he was yet alive and he was the only one that could open the scroll and he opened the scroll and began to unroll un uh, to begin to unroll and uh, reveal history all the way until it's in he began to usher in the messianic age and that is why you and I stand here today waiting for that lamb to once again break the eastern sky no one was worthy but then one walked in hallelujah you may feel that you're not worthy but then Jesus walks in you may feel that your life has already been far too gone but then Jesus walks in and that's what he wants to do this morning Jesus wants to walk into your heart he doesn't want you to be a mark he wants you to willingly and openly say I am yours and you are mine everything I have belongs to you and I worship you and you alone there's not enough protection and prosperity you are the one true God. You are the only one that I fear. You are the one that I take your mark and I pledge allegiance to you and you alone. And no one will ever change that. And here comes the struggle because in, in number four, Revelation speaks of a second death in the eternal lake of fire. But only 58% of Americans believe in hell while 72% believe in heaven. That's, that, that's a barn a pole. That's not even a Christian. That's just a barn a pole. You got, you got, Revelation speaks of the second death and the eternal lake of fire, but only 58% of Americans believe in hell, while 72% believe in heaven. That's kind of a fall off. Wouldn't you argue? So when you and I start to think of that, we, we, are, we are to see, know, and understand that the forces of evil and everyone who does not want to participate in God's kingdom are destroyed and given what they want. The hell they caused, they inherit eternally. I said the hell that they caused, they will inherit eternally. And they're sent to the place where they can exist by themselves and for themselves. So the dragon and the beast and all who follow them are eternally quarantined to never again cause trouble and corrupt God's new creation. So I'm here to tell you this morning that our only hope is Jesus. 
That's the fifth thing I want you to see this morning. Our only hope is Jesus. If we're born twice, we die once. If we're born once, we die twice. That's the scripture. You don't believe me? Read John chapter 3. You must be born of water and born of the Spirit. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said you must be born of water and born of the Spirit. You must be born again. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible says when you are born again, you are born twice. You die once and you never again experience that. But if you're born once, you die twice. And there is the second death that I just read about in Revelation chapter 21 verse 8. I'm just giving you scripture. Now you got to decide what you do with it. But I'm here to tell you that the slain lamb, Jesus Christ, the son of God, died for us while we were enemies. Now he, now you and I need to let him conquer our hearts today. And he will not conquer our hearts by force. Instead, he will conquer our hearts, our hearts with love and grace and mercy. Who are you going to pledge your allegiance to today? Whose mark will you take? Will you take the mark of the beast that will promise you everything on this earth that you just read? Everything is going to be destroyed and there's a new heaven and a new earth. Or will you instead take the mark of the Messiah and you will write his word on your forehead and you will have it on your hand so that when the enemy comes to try and have you bind something on your forehead and your hand they'll already be something in its place and there'll be no space for it I told you this book of revelation was going to change the world didn't I I told you it was going to change your life, and I believe that it has the power to change your life. But you got to do the research. I've quoted scripture today. You need to look those scriptures up. I've searched. I've done the hermeneutics. I've done the exegesis. But I want you too, as well, to understand that as we unpack this over the next four weeks, there is so much more that is in there. There's so much more that I'm not even going to be able to finish it all in this series. I'm going to come back next, in the beginning of next year, and start again with a different part because we need to get this in our hearts so that you and I will never again avoid revelation but instead look with hope and anticipation toward the slain lamb the soon coming king the alpha and omega the beginning and the end so you and I have an opportunity here today who will you pledge your allegiance to will you pledge your allegiance To the beast who promises prosperity and protection that they really can't offer? Or will you pledge your allegiance to the Lamb who has defeated Satan, sin, and death and offers you eternal life? The choice is yours. And that's how John opens the book of Revelation to the church. He opens the book of Revelation to the seven churches. And you know what he says to them right away? He opens the book and he says to the churches, he says, to one, he says, you lost your first love. Get back to your first love. Church, I'm here to tell you today, some of you, some of us have lost our first love. It's time for you to get back to your first love. That's Jesus. Then he comes, he comes along to some others and says, I hold this against you. 
You're eating ritual meals and you're practicing sexual immorality. It's time to clean that up. He comes to another and he says, you're lukewarm. You're not hot and you're not cold and I would rather just spit you out of my mouth. But then he comes to a church and he says, you're faithful. You're faithful. And you're going to be rewarded. He comes to that church and says, you're faithful. You've been faithful and you're going to be rewarded. But he didn't throw the other six lampstands out. No, 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 no. He called them. He warned them. And I believe that God is warning us. He's calling us. Get back to your first love. This is a circular letter that is still, still rolling throughout the world. Only it's not seven churches anymore. It's one church and it's universal. Oh, that should have been a louder amen. That should have been a louder amen. Church. There's one day these buildings won't be here. You know why? Because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. These buildings won't be here anymore because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But even right now, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to wait until these buildings are gone. It's now. It's time. It's time. The scroll has been opened. History is coming to a conclusion. The only one who had the power to begin the unrolling, the unraveling, has already cracked the scroll. It's now. It's time. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I've preached my heart the best I know how. And God, I pray right now, if you're here and you've been lukewarm, you've not been hot or cold, right now where you are, I call you to repent. Jesus said he doesn't want to take away your lampstand, but you must shine right where you're at. Say, Jesus, I forg Jesus, forgive me. I've sinned against you. I've let myself grow warm. I'm not hot and I'm not cold. I'm just warm. Forgive me, God. Call me back to you. For those right now, you've been eating those ritual meals. You've been worshiping those false gods. You've been worshiping those false gods. You've been committing sexual immorality and adultery and all those other sins. Right now, repent. Pledge your allegiance to God. Jesus already warned us. He doesn't want to remove our lampstand, but he will call upon him today. For the faithful, for the faithful that are here. God, I pray you impart to them right now the power to endure. And for those of you that don't know Jesus, that want to know him as your Savior and your Lord, for those of you who fall into the category of Galatians 5, 19 through 21, and you want to be transformed to Galatians 5, uh, 20, uh, 21, 23, 22 and 23, right now is the time. Just simply say, the Bible says if you believe in Jesus and you receive him, you get the right to be called children of God. Right where you're at, just simply say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you 
you died on a cross for my sin. I believe that God raised you back to life. I believe that you're preparing a place called heaven for me. I believe and I pledge my allegiance to you and to you alone. You are the only one that can offer true protection and prosperity. I renounce all false gods and I call you my one and only. I know that I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm being perfected. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come in and take up residence in this temple, this temple that is my body. And I promise I will do everything in my power to partner with you, to live for you, to lay my life down for you so that the world may know that you are God. I make this pledge of allegiance to you, renouncing all other gods. It is in Jesus' name that I pray and proclaim. And the church of Jesus Christ said, amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap this morning because he's a good God. Woo, I thought I was going to bust trying to get that one out.